the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, everybody. It is a Saturday morning, beautiful morning in the city. It is Saturday, September 30, 2023. Good old 710 KNUS. I'm Peter Boyles. And the weather goes like this. 87 will be the high. Tomorrow, Sunday, 84. Back to work Monday, 80 degrees. We have a show. We'll be out in just a second with former councilman, of course, Denver police officer, been involved in Colorado and Democratic city politics for the longest time. And I got a nice note from him about this issue of homelessness. Alan Samuels on the show, Mark Miller's on the show, and then the star of our show in studio will be DMAC. And the kicker is next week in studio, Jimmy Walker. And if you grew up in Denver, at one time there was there they're called O and O, owned and operated, black radio station KDKO, the Daddy O House Party, and Jimmy Walker is going to be with us. All right, without further ado, I've known him for I don't know probably a hundred years, give or take, and I wanted to get him on to talk about the nonsense that he has watched. Uh, former Councilman Ed Thomas, good morning, sir. Thanks for getting up on a Saturday and being on the show. Morning, Pete. How are you? You know, I'm well. Yourself? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate that. No. Um, this is such a, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, and and you would probably remember more than a lot of guys. Um, it reminds me of the old Andy Griffith show. Um, do you remember Otis uh, Campbell, oh, sure. the character on? Sure. Okay. <laughs> and I've been thinking about that when they've had this issue with the homeless and stuff, and. Um, well, you know, Otis was the town drunk. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Otis, Otis, the town inebriator and whatever. And uh, he got into it with Barney, the deputy at Mayberry, and decided to take his drinking up to Mount Pilot. Yep. And um, <laughs> so he's he's sitting in the jail cell at Mount Pilot, and he's sitting there crying. And these guys come up to him and they go, what are you doing? He said, "Well, I miss I miss Mayberry, you know. I miss the the food that Aunt B brings me and stuff when I'm in jail. I miss when Andy, you know, sings songs to me at night and and go to sleep. And they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You get that stuff in Mayberry? They go, yeah. Well, the next day there's 20 guys in the same cell That's down in right. Mayberry. I, you know, I, re- I, being, I remember that episode too. Yeah. Oh." It was. I mean, it was just absolutely hilarious. But it's it's very much poignant, you might say, in in what's going on now and stuff that uh, they have. They we have these issues in you know as far as the homeless concerned in in places that you just can't believe. So and by the hundreds and hundreds of them. When did you? Wh- when did you become a cop? What year did you become a cop? 1825. <laughs> you and Roy Bean. Now, what, what, what year? Did 19, you, 1971. What have you seen change? And it's a wide open question, Ed, but what have you seen changed since that time? The violence. Yeah. 
I mean, literally, I'm, um, I mean, I'm not involved in it right now, but um, there was there was stuff going on um, in the 70s with the bombings. Yes. You know, where you you had to make sure that you had you always have to have two 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 man cars to go on every single call. And there were three guys to handle the call and one guy to watch the cars. So somebody didn't put a bomb underneath them. Wow. And that's how that's how I went to work every night, you know, and then, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and stuff. I'm walking, you know, I'm walking my kids to school and stuff like Andy Griffith waving it at the neighbors and stuff. And I'd just gone through eight hours of hell. And it just it's just such a an interesting you know time. But that was, you know, the crusade for justice and the bombings and everything. It was a, a completely different era. But when there were other things began to happen in this city, and by the way, Ed Thomas is here, a true favorite, longtime friend. I see it this way, and I know this is one of those things, okay, you get jammed up. The arrival of Roy Romer and Federico Pena. If you track the city back, and that was also the arrival of what we now know as the Bond Daddies, the rise of the powerful law firms, uh, the power shifts from Denver Country Club to Cherry Hills Country Club, uh, the television stations change, and you know, and and it's this moment, and when they show up, they push aside the old guard. Not that the old guard didn't have its own set of problems. But I think that was the beginning of the end. Ooh, um, I, I would say uh, the beginning of the end was uh, uh, the crusade for justice. Mm. That yeah. that was one of the most dangerous organizations ever that I've ever seen, and um, but they were eulogized by so many people in the you know in the city that uh, a lot of that stuff went by. And um, you, you found, not you specifically, but mm-hmm. there, were, there were some guys, that, police officers, you know, that lost limbs, that lost eyes, you know, during some of those bombings and stuff. Well, and, the, the, great Saint Pat, the great St. Patrick's Day shootout that's probably lost in the memory of so many people except for a lot, a lot of old cops and a handful of old news, news writers. But that crusade, the the battle that took place in Denver. You know what, Ed? I think when, you know, what's interesting is that would be quite a story to chronicle. What happened that night was what year was the St. Patrick's Day fight? Oh Lord, um, I'd say seventy three, seventy four, okay, something like that. Yeah, and it literally so, went, it li- literally went on all night, did it not? Oh yeah, yeah. It was something. You spent here. I am, you know, um, a new father. I've got you know two mm-hmm. little kids, you know, at home, and I'm underneath, not in the car. I'm underneath the car to make sure that I can, you know, get a shot out, but to make sure that there's no, you know, bombs that are floating my way and things like that. And I'm thinking. <laughs> And then the next day, I'm walking my kids to school, waving to the neighbors and everything. Just nobody had any idea what the hell was going on in the city of Denver at that time. 
But that, though across the country, things like that were happening in America. Um, yes. I mean, it just wasn't Denver, Colorado. It was Chicago. It was New York. It was San Francisco. It was Miami. It was Dallas. And the world was in an upheaval. But it wasn't what led into this overwhelming crime wave and this insanity of homelessness and uh, prosecutors that won't prosecute and people that want to defund cops. I mean, that what, what world does that come from? You know, I don't I don't have any idea how it started. Um, and actually, I don't know how it finished. But it, it, it doesn't. Uh, I think. Well, it, during we're, we're talking about the bad times in the seventies, but I think Corky just kind of gave it, yeah. you know, gave it up, and just said, you know, I can operate within the political system mm-hmm. well, a did. lot better than blowing up police cars. You know, I got to know him, and I had a couple good conversations with him. First of all, he yep. was he was a great boxer, and you and I both love boxing. And right. Corky fought pro, and um, yeah. We couple couple of conversations. We we sat. We talked about prize fighting principally, and back in that era, with you know, it was a, a different time. But you know, the the first part of the fifties, and he is a hell of a fighter. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if that he used was to fight up on, he used to fight up at Forty Seventh and Brighton Boulevard in the old Coliseum. Yeah, we were, we were talking. There was a a guy. I met a guy who said that we had done something. He, he was a retired Denver cop. I won't use the name. And he was in those fights. Remember when those, the Saturday night specials, but they were great. And uh, cops versus firefighters. And then you yep. got, and then you guys fought. The cops, were, were they from Bermuda? That team, that boxing team was from, from Bermuda? And then there was. Well, you a, brought this. <laughs> no, I know. I don't mean to switch uh, it around on you. But then there was a. Then, then there was a, from Moscow. The Moscow police came. Remember that fight when the what, Mos- Yeah. What, oh. what happened was, um, um, I was a. I played with the Denver Barbarians Rugby Football mm-hmm. Club, and um, for some reason there was there was some guy that was doing you know selling T-shirts and that sort of stuff, and he screwed it up. Yeah. And I just said, you know. You know, this is awful what you've done. They said, if you think you can do better, do it. So I did. That's how I got started in, you know, in organizing and, you know, setting up fights, setting up rugby, you know, field, selling everything in the world. And you and I, as you remember, um, the first fight we had downtown and stuff, you and I were in the ring and we were you were doing the, the announcing and stuff. And I was just there looking good. But anyhow. So uh, it was just a different time. The best night I ever had doing that. Um, my, if I was if I was doing play by play, play by play, he was doing color or whatever. Um, Ronnie Lau and I'd gotten to know Ron pretty well, and uh, yeah. and he he was um, he came over for the fights, and the um, we sat ring obviously sat ringside. And uh, I, I did play-by-play, and he did color. And uh, we bonded that night. But that was a night where stories that someday might be written uh, was uh, the, the after-fights were almost as good as the in-ring fights. So that was that was a hell of a night. And um, 
Did they have things events afterwards? Gee, what do you know? Okay, uh, <laughs> I seem to re- seem to recall you and I elbow to elbow that night. Um, but t- do this. Ed Thomas is with us. Um, you know, people, historians in particular, look back to points where they go, well, this is where the train went off the tracks, or this is where the switch got thrown in the train. Instead of going this way, it goes off on the spur then goes over a cliff. Where do you, If Denver, and I believe Denver, has gone over the cliff, how and why, and is there any redeemable way, Ed, to bring it back? Well, um, there, there's a. My particular opinion is that uh, that everything in the city and county in Denver is run by Democrats. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and if it's they don't they don't have any um, buffer, so to speak, <laughs> where some people can stand up and say, you know, this isn't right and stuff. Well, you know, uh, go to Arvada or mm-hmm. you know whatever. But uh, you know, and there, there was just it's it's just mm-hmm. different. I mean, it's just different. And Ron Lyle was was a great. Oh. He was a great guy. Oh, and uh, oh, I, I, go ahead. No, I, I I'm in his the the book about Ron Lyle. I'm in the book, which always made me feel good. When they made the television movie on the life of Sonny Liston, do you remember who played Sonny? Oh Lord, Ron Lyle. Is that right? Oh, okay. Ron Lau played Sonny Liston. I was going to say, I remember where Sonny Liston lived. Well, but, Ron was uh, a, over Ron, in Park Hill. Yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie would look, they looked up to Sonny. And I guess, well, they guess the Denver cops fought Sonny Liston, like, I don't want to say daily, but on more than one occasion. Yes, you mean with, yeah. yeah physically. For some reason, yeah. they, 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 they made him their mark. And I don't know oh, why. I, well, I think we could probably understand it. Were you around? We could probably go, come to some conclusions. Know. Yes. Were you around when Allie uh, drove, when, when Allie brought the bus? They drove up on the bus to taunt Sonny. Ron Lau was telling yeah. that story. Were you here for that one? I was here. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, my, one of my uh, nephews was with me. And Lyle, I mean, excuse me, Muhammad Ali was going to get in the limousine and go out to uh, Stapleton at that time to fly out. And he asked my uh, my nephew if, if he would ride with him. And oh, I'm going, wow. God. So <laughs> Back then. Yeah. So we, wow. You know, so I followed the car out to, to Stapleton, and here's my, you know, my little mm-hmm. nephew and stuff sitting next to one of the most famous boxers ever. Ever. And it was just, it was just something. Those were, those were days, and you can't get them back. I talked to uh, Ron Lau about Sonny, and about you know Sonny Liston's death is one of those. Here, this is always happens when Ed and I are together. So, but his death is one of those mysteries that, uh, you know, that he, how he died and where he died, and but Sonny was mobbed up, and. One of the theories of the first fight, when Muhammad won that, was that the mob told him to take the price, as they say, in prize fighting, that he'd laid down. Now, whether or not he could have beaten then Cassius Clay, but he laid down for the money. 
And then the second fight, there's all kinds of stories around that second fight, too. But Ron knew I, I never met Sonny, but Ron, Ron knew him. And, you know, they, they, they said he had heavy hands. <laughs> when he hit you, yeah. you stayed hit. Woo. Did you did you ever read that book? I think one of the best boxing books that's ever been written it was called "Only the Ring Was Square." Yes, man, Frankie <laughs> Frankie Carbo, that, one of my favorite. Oh, it was that, something. Oh, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it goes back to, somewhat to um, to to the day when it was that cowboy Reuben Shanks, I think, was the local prize fighter, and they, and um, it was. It was Graziano, I think, was ducking him. And somebody that had the strap at the time, they ducked him. I think they ducked Corky, too. I think they might have ducked Corky. Uh, ducking meaning you don't take the fight. You find a way around it. But I've heard, I never met any of these guys, but I heard stories about them. And I'd sit for hours, and they would, they would tell stories about back when Denver was a fight town at one time. It's no oh, longer, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's no longer a fight oh. town, but it once was a fight town. Yeah, and uh, it, it was it was it kind of got into your blood after a while. Mm. And I think you and I feel, you know, we're in the sort of the same boat. You yeah, know, fights are great. So, oh man, it was something. <laughs> oh, it was something. When oh. you, when we would sit in my final couple of things, and I'll get you make your point. And I, I, um, we must have watched. His fight against uh, Muhammad in Vegas slowed it down, and, and Channel Twelve, and then all over to a friend of mine's office, and watched when Ron fought um, Muhammad, and that's a tough stop. I don't know if you ever watched that fight close, but I think Ron Lau was ahead on points. Yeah, and they, you know, I think. Matter of fact, I'm going to guess that it was Mills Lane was in the ring with them, and and um, Muhammad hit him, but was it fight stopping? Ah, and it always ground. Do you him. remember? I mean, uh, this may be rhetorical, but do you ever remember a policeman by the name of Buster Snyder? Only by stories. Okay, uh, he his claim to fame uh, supposedly was that he was the. First Denver policeman that arrested Ron Lyle <laughs> and Buster. Oh. Uh, well, there were two other. Two, two. He would write his his uh, one thing he did is he wrote one hundred moving violations in one shift. Jesus, <laughs> and these and, and people. Well, understandably, and people didn't. You know, they weren't real fond of the, the guy, but. Um, they, they, somebody put a bomb underneath his car one time Ooh. and most of the cops say, well, why didn't it go off? <laughs> <laughs> well, because if he arrested Ron, you know, Ron, yes. Ron got sent to adult prison when he was, when he was not 18. I mean, there's all kinds of stories about, you know, about Ronnie in prison, but he, he, you know, he was big and he looked like a man and. Obviously was obviously was had murdered that guy. I'm taking nothing away from it, but I don't think he was 18. And he got. Uh, I don't think so either. You ever shook his hand? Oh, many times. (laughs) 
you want to go, please, oh. <laughs> please let go of my hand. Well, you know, we all, both of us, you know, boxed. And, uh, you know, you think you're, I was, I was telling this story too, but I was about 12 or 13. We went in, in Pittsburgh, they had the Golden Gloves. And uh, yeah. we went to see the gloves, not to be in the gloves, but to see them. So first time I saw good. And you say, oh, I mean, good, really good. And then later in life, when you're around really great fighters, it's a different world, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Man. How many fights did you and I see, you know, in different, just a bunch of them? And oh, there was man. just a lot of stuff going on to, in oh. those days, fight-wise. Oh. Well, as I've often said, Douglas MacArthur wrote a book called Reminisces. And MacArthur's deal, when I think I forget HarperCollins or some big house, he said, okay, I'll take the money, I'll give you the transcript, but you can't publish this until I'm dead. <laughs> and I always thought, <laughs> if we were going to write the stories, Edward, <laughs> um, <Yeah>. and, <laughs> you know, Ed's gone, okay, publish uh, that story. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, there was a night. Oh, man. It, yeah, it was so there, good. There was a night. And, it was just, I mean, you and I were both a little bit younger. Much. Excuse me. You Much. and I were both a lot younger Much. in in those times and stuff. But uh, it, it's something that they just can't take away from either one of us. But one, the other part of it is they never had those fights again after that night. And, yes, you're right. Uh, and it, it and the whole house is up and moving. I mean, everybody's going. And... Uh, is that what? What do they always say in those dime novels? Punches were thrown, and yeah. and the fights after. The after fights were almost well. They probably were better than many of the in fights. <laughs> it was like, what a night! And I know I was. You and I were there. Um, <laughs> the next time, the next time we came in, they they brought in Ronnie, and um, we I just sat next to him and. I kind of picked his brain about what we were watching and how tough they were. And, but the guys who did um, surveillance, like if you're being surveilled by the Denver PD, they have hidden cameras. They made, they were up in the rafters, and they made, I, there has to be a tape of that one night, or tapes, plural, of that one night when the house came down. And I'm sure that they were yep. melted in a parking lot someplace, but... Wow. You know, and I never understood why it was I do. that some of these guys just <laughs> hounded him. Oh, well, here's a name from them. Well, I won't even use the name because too many people would, would come back and say, oh, yeah, I knew him. But uh, he, yeah. he and, and it was. Well, I just, it, <laughs> that was a night. Uh, yeah, no, that was it. Uh, yeah. Well, and, you know, you had we had the Crusade for Justice as well with Corky, and he was. He was a great fighter back in his time as well. He was real good. Corky Gonzalez. He was ranked, sure. He was ranked. Yeah. So, I'm, well, well, listen, listen. I we were going to talk about the homelessness, and then we got off into old into old times, and old times are a hell of a lot better, Edward, than what I saw last night driving around. It's just awful. So, well, I, you know, and, I, you know. I, I need to see. But, uh, we need to see everybody. Put them. Put put the band back together. Yeah, I would like to do that. That would be great. Okay. And I, 
I have no idea. I mean, I I spend a lot of time with this homeless thing because it's awful. Oh. And you, our 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 old friend Bob Cote, rest his soul. It, it was was somebody that just didn't put up with any of that we, stuff. We were telling Bob Cote stories last night. <laughs> I'm honest to God, having having a dinner, and all of a sudden Cote's, Cote's name came up, and I said, "You had to know him." It's like saying Ron Lyle. Oh yeah, sure. No, you had to know him. <laughs> you know, and that yep. made made a, a an enormous difference. But <laughs> sometime off the air, I'll tell you a story that. I have to tell off the air about Bob, but and he was the nicest guy in the world. Oh, and, um, oh, 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 I think he was. I think he was, oh. and he had uh, he had a sister yes. uh, that nobody knew about and stuff. And yep. she and my wife uh, developed a friendship, and they were friends for a long time during those old days and stuff. Oh man, he. So, I, I I told part of the story last night when when he passed away, and they did the eulogy. They gave they gave us Coors Field, I mean, and the um, the atrium in Coors Field. Mike Rosen's yeah. there, you know, Mike who really deserves more credit than. And um, I thought I pretty much knew this guy, right? I mean, we've been together a lot, and I'm standing behind the podium, and I get a tug on my sleeve, and I turn around. There's a woman. I said, hi, how can I help you? She said, I was married to Bob Cote. <laughs> the true story. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Bob had been married more than once, but I get this. Oh, oh yes. He, oh, yeah. I get this, he had, yeah. I get this tug. But, I turn around and say, may I help you? She said, I was married to Bob. And I went, now it's going to get good. So, Eddie, I well, love you. When, well, thanks, pal. And then let me know. We'll get together Run down a couple other things when you get time. Promise. Be safe. Bye. Bye, Thomas. Um, Alan Sam will come out. Mark Miller's coming up. And then the star of the show, DMAC. And Darren's coming in the studio. Next week, uh, and I should have asked Ed this, Jimmy Walker. And those of you who grew up in Denver, there was at one time, and they were, they were called in the business, they are called O&Os, meaning owned and operated. In other words, uh, WRC in Washington, D.C. is an O&O. It's owned and operated by NBC. Um, and they're, they're, and this was an O&O. Daddy-O. And so Daddy's in studio next week. DMAX coming up. Alan's going to be on the show. Mark Miller's on the show. David Ellis. I saw David Thursday. And you talk about taking your value, valuables to David Ellis Jewelers to get fortunes in cash and secure appraisals from David for all the valuables you have tucked away in your home. It's still true. So let me, again, share the reasons to see David. Just in case you don't have a Rolex watch, a rare coin, or even a silver, a silver tea set. And if you do, right? So see David Ellis for all your most meaningful gift-giving occasions. David Ellis Jewelers are just really the right items, the right price. He is my friend. Special purpose people, there they are. Antique watches, emerald pennants, gold necklaces, diamond rings. This trusted jeweler has been buying precious metals and antiques in Colorado for decades. Dazzling cases filled with hundreds of new and used pieces for all the loved ones in your life. See David Ellis Jewelers. 
David Ellis to see for yourself the black awning on the corner of 3rd and Clayton and Cherry Creek. Explore davidellisjewelry.com. Call my friend David, 303-322-8779. 3rd and Clayton and Cherry Creek, black awning on the building. Back with the one and only Alan Samuel right after this. The Sultans. Keep playing that, man. It's like guitar, John. Dire Straits. Where the Sultans swing. Indeed, Saturday morning, 87 will be the high, 84 on Sunday, 80 on Monday. At 710 Kane US, we are Denver's talk station. Good morning, everyone. Phone number is 303-696-1971. Mark Miller will drop by in the hour as well to talk about uh, the final numbers and everything about the MC1 honor run last Sunday. And then um, this is a really, really good, talented young man in the radio. Of course, Somebody said everybody's now a young man. Uh, Darren McGee, DMAC, a co-host of so many radio shows in the city. And what happens to all of us eventually, that's right, we're like head coaches. They hire you because someday they're going to fire you. Well, without further ado, he, I think he's back in the cell phone range. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. All right, so Alan Samuel, it's like where, where in the world is her shooting? Hear him shooting? I'm shooting in the background. Well, guess what? I'm on deck. This is the uh, International Revolver World Championship right here in the state of Colorado at the uh, Cameo uh, shooting uh, facility here run by the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. So my friend John Burkholder just finished shooting, and I am next on deck for the Revolver Worlds. So, by the way, what, what gun are you shooting today? I'm shooting a Smith & Wesson 929, which is an eight-shot a uh, 9mm moon clip revolver, and I, uh, I'm also shooting a 625, which is my six-shot 45 ACP. How's the game played? How's this contest run? Um, it's a combination of steel shooting, paper shooting, and, for instance, the last stage I just had, you could get one second off for every X that you hit. So an X or an absolute bullseye, you, I took 20 seconds off my time. So I had a raw time of 32, minus 20, 12-second run. How many people are competing? I don't know. Um, about 200, I think, 1 to 200, somewhere like that. we got people in from New Zealand that I've been talking about. Wow. and uh, But I think they're fly- it's my turn to go. Yeah. But I might- Do you want to go? You want, you want to, I'm on, I'll call you this week. you want to go? Yeah, I'm going to go. Go get them. Right. Right. I'll talk to you later. Right. Goodbye. Right. We were going to talk about something, but give Mark a call. Let's put Mark Miller in here early, and then we can get some open lines, and then we can go to DMAC. So um, Jefferson, Jefferson County's finest, the one, the only, Mark Miller. Last Sunday, I think, it certainly was an incredible day. It was a beautiful day to do the MC1 Honor Run. And I, I, I believe it was close to, if it wasn't, a record. And um, so I saw Mark at the beginning. I saw him a little bit at the end. So I did not, not then we we're going to squeeze everybody in here together to get ready for DMAC coming in the studio. So let's see if the light starts to blink and I'll know it's him. 87 to high, 84 on Sunday, 80 on Monday. Then it drops down. Tuesday, Wednesday, it's going to be, well, cold's a relative term, but high 60s and 70s. Ski season will start. Let's come, come on. Watch him through. Ah, there he goes. Ah, here he is. Ladies and gentlemen, he has become a friend. We spend a lot of time together. It takes a takes a year to put MC1 together. And then, of course, in that one day, 
uh, from Jefferson County, Mark Miller. Hey, man, thanks for coming back on the show, and good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you doing today? You know, I'm actually doing very good. My motorcycle's outside, and so... Uh, We'll see what happens. Oh, we'll see what happens when the show's over. Glad <laughs> tear him I up. Hear that? Yeah. Um, I thought modestly. He says, "I thought and that was the tenth MC one." And Mark, I thought it was. I don't want to say the best one, but I thought it was. I, I really thought it was very, very good. Well, I thought, you know, I, I would say it's one of our record ones because of. Uh, just the, the outcome from the community, the support, our, all of our sponsors getting behind us and uh, coming together to help the Dodge family and also Jay Lopez from Denver Police Department. I, it, it was nice to see the chief of Denver Police show up. And oh, man. My share. And, uh, you know, it was just a, it was overall, it was a great day. And for our 10th annual, I, I couldn't have asked for more. And the, Je- the new Jeffco Sheriff was there. She got up and gave a really unique speech. As I mentioned, the chief of Denver PD was there. Um, I got to meet that the officer who we honor this year who had been run over by the fire truck at the Nuggets uh, championship parade. And I told everybody, he's just one of us. You know, and you know what that means when you always say it about somebody. He's one of us, you know. Maybe he comes sure, in. Yeah, he is. He's one of us. And, um, you know, they're very, very, very thankful for for our efforts and assistance. And, um, you know, the foundation is on the right track, and we are just going to keep doing what we do. It was a – when I started to see the checks, I was like, holy smoke. And I even said to you, we were on the stage, I said, I don't think I ever expected this. Mark Miller from Jefferson Jefferson County, he's the sheriff's department, is with us. So do we know a grand total yet? Um, no, it's actually there. There's still support that's coming in on okay. our website. You know, with the uh, an, another FOP um, locally has jumped on board. So I mean, we've really we've really um, hit this out of the park this year. We've we've that's done right. a, an amazing. And to see all the old guys and you know and everybody that was there and always to Frank DeAngelis, man, doesn't get off the ground without Frank, but. It just was, it was, it was, it was, it was, I mean, and I said, you know, we've had 10 great years of weather. Yeah, we really have. Boy, spectacular. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, I know I'll see you soon. Um, thank you. And uh, that was really a great experience. Again, the 10th annual MC1 that was, I believe, perhaps the best one or close to the top. And I think we broke some new cut road on, on Sunday too. And that was, to see, you know, Denver's chief there and all these different guys were there, that was that was somewhat remarkable as well. It really was. It was a, it was an awesome event all the way around. Um I, I just want to thank you for all your help and yeah. and uh hanging in there with us all these years and it's it's been really fun and hey. it's been great hanging out with you and <laughs> you know <laughs> Who doesn't want to eat cold pizza? And watch guys that can really ride motorcycles. <laughs> that's like, that's a, that was me. Well, because they always get all kinds of carrot sticks and stuff like that. And first of all, every one of these guys, I'm here to tell you, can flat ride motorcycles. It's just not, and there's no screwing around. They, they, can, they teach it and they ride it. And so I get to watch some people who can really ride motorcycles. And then I, I get to eat cold pizza. 
What the hell more do I? What the hell more do I want, boss? Huh? I love you. Well, <laughs> well, we'll still be here doing our thing. I know, sure. We sure will. Thanks, Mark. I'll see, I'll see you soon. Thanks, Bubba. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. All right, we we got open lines. It is nine forty. And DMAC will be with us top of the hour, 303-696-1971. Whatever you would like to talk about or question or say in the next 15 or 20 minutes. I'm excited because one of the things I wanted to do when we um, were able to put the Saturday morning show back on was to capture the voices and some video of some of the legendary Denver media people. Who have I wrote a column that's up, and it's on. Actually, it's in the uh, it's in the Cherry Creek Chronicle. But if you go to the radio station website, seven ten K in US, click on shows, and you can scroll down to my name and click on my name. There's a new shoot up. A couple of guys, from good friends of mine, in the motorcycle industry, who came in. We did a really good shoot. This kid from Devil's Head Chopper and. And, uh, and Todd Hills, but I wrote a column. That, remember Jimmy Buffett did um, A Pirate Looks at 40? And I did a column entitled A Pirate Looks at 80. And I wrote about this kind of stuff. And these people that have, um, I cite the Whiff and Poof song, passed and will be forgotten like the rest. And... So if you if you want to read it modestly, he says, right, 710knus.com, just a radio station. Click on shows. It'll drop a scroll. Peter Boyles, and you're on the page. The new video's up. And then click on columns, and and it's entitled A Pirate Looks at 80. And as I ask myself, how how how'd you ever get to 80? You don't belong at 80. But I, I cited some some people that I love dearly that are gone. And, you know, we talk now about so much about what's happening and coming up. And when DMAX in studio, we'll talk about the business. We'll talk about the radio business and what's happened to it. But it's been, um, we've cowboyed it. And so in in the umbrella of all of that, I get to know guys like Mark Miller and the whole list of people that we've talked about forever, and or Ed Thomas, and you get to know them. And they leg- Ron Lyle, and you get to know them, legitimately know them, and um, not just yeah hey, shook this guy's hand, but you got to know the guy, and you found yourself going, wow, they're good guys. Do you want to take a we we do for a pause, Lou? We do. But Lou says we do. All right, 87 will be the high. DMAC coming up, 303-696-1971. Lou, it's all yours. DMAC is here. Good morning. It is a Saturday, September 30th, 2023. Good old 710-KNUS Denver's talk station. Thank you for being here. 87 the high, 84 Sunday, 80 on Monday. And again, next Saturday for two hours, Jimmy Walker, a.k.a. Dr. Daddy-O. And Daddy put a book out, I don't know how many years ago, Daddy's book dropped. And it's um, early part of the 60s. He came up from, as they said, came up from Houston, Texas. And 
The rest is history. And if a lot of cities, and I don't know if it's as much anymore, I don't think there's a black station in Denver as we speak. But in, um, in Daddy's time, um, Jimmy Walker, Dr. Daddy-O, he bought KDKO Radio. And I think he was, I'll say this and I'm sure I'm wrong, one of, one of the first, maybe that's the best way to say it, one of the first African-Americans to ever independently own a radio station. The station I grew up on was Whammo. Those of you who remember Whammo, W-A-M-O, we, every kid walking around in my neighborhood had a Porky Chadwick sole security card in their wallet. And Porky was the only white guy on the air, Pork the Torque. Your blonde wonder with your record thunder. Porky did afternoon drive, everybody else. But I later found out, because uh, Bob Brusco and myself, we had a Pittsburgh reunion party. And we voted on bringing, I got pictures, uh, to bring to bring the pork out here. And he brought his girlfriend, and we had us a time. We had us a weekend. And uh, so Porky, when you know, and when he told me, he said, I thought it was a, I thought it was a black, we, well, it was a black station, but it wasn't owned uh, by African, African Americans. In fact, you know, Porky was the only white guy on the air. But um, Daddy-O, Jimmy Walker, I don't know what year he buys KDKO. I, I really don't. And but he ran it for a long time. And I wanted to know him. And I had some friends, and one of them was a dear friend who is now gone, who actually uh his name's Russ Perone, and Russell was a good friend. Again, here we go again, a Ron Lyles. So through those guys I get to meet Daddy O and we really connected. And um Daddy's a legend. And we have this coming up, as I mentioned, just in a second, coming in the studio. And if we don't get guys, I, th- I think D-Max got years ahead of him. I think he's going to do great. But Daddy's not a kid, man. I can relate. And you got to catch him now. And if we don't get something down on tape and, you know, in, in video, and somebody said, what about that guy? Oh, that guy. Yeah, the voice of Denver's black community. I can I can knock Daddy off, man. I can do. I used to listen to Daddy in the afternoons, and coming to you live and in living color. I want to do this when I'm with with him, live and in living color. What color am I coming through to you? I think was his punch, and um, that was that was one of one of one of you know one of Daddy Daddy's in and outs, and so we're really looking forward to it. So Jimmy Walker. We'll come in here next week and we'll catch them. You want to well, just want to bring them in, or you want to take a pop? And Lou, you're in charge. It is ten before the hour. I will do whatever you want to do, Lou. Ball's in your court. Bring them in. That's a better idea, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the star of the show. Remember, they always do that. Let me, let me lose my boy, my boy. Let me. <laughs> As I have a seat, I put some headsets there. Come on. What are we doing? This is not your first rodeo. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? We're doing radio, my boy. What are we doing? Is, is talking to this thing? Uh, how many years you knocked around this business? Because this is one of one of my premier questions. Pull that. Uh, I started it? in the 
Um, good to see you, Peter. You too. You look good right. to see you, pal. You too. I'm on. We're on bicycles today. I'm, you're you're on a, a real person's bicycle. I'm just on a bicycle bicycle. Like I'm like I'm seven. Now, for all the money in the world, yeah. What's behind the curtain? Yeah. And the new car that Lou's pointing at. Yeah. All right. When you talk into this thing, yeah. And it comes out in somebody's car. Do you know how that happens? <laughs> <laughs> do I, do I? <laughs> no, Peter. Ne- have, neither do I. I have no no idea. I'm ne- just, it's ne- amazing. I, I don't. We sit here and we talk and uh, somebody listens at some point. No. But, I've been doing radio since 1987. I, um, mm-hmm. I uh, started in, in college in 1987 at Syracuse University at WJPZ Z89. And I was so um, anxious to be on the radio that I stayed up over Thanksgiving. I was one of the only people in my uh, dorm and I introduced like uh, Madonna Records. It was a top forty radio yeah, station. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I, I got back um, to my dorm, which was empty, yeah. Thanksgiving and all. And I put that little cassette tape uh, in the cassette recorder, and I listened to it, and I could not believe how bad I was. Could Every, not could not believe how bad I was. I wish I had the first half an hour of radio <laughs> I did, because I put it up against how bad yours was. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh. It was, and I was like, Geez, this is what I was going to do. This this was like this was the only plan. I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you threw up? I did. What do you mean you threw up? Cat Radio, uh, the big cat of the Rockies, and it was on the floor below the Playboy Club. Hey there, hey there. And it was a hey Saturday, there, and I'm yeah. in school, and the late great Jack Merker, and he showed me how to run a board and cue records and everything mm-hmm. like that. And it was a daytimer. Mm, so mm. it had to sign off. What like, year is this, Peter? Give, give us. Come on now. What, what year are we talking I, you about? Know, here? I really don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm wild guessing. Um, you know, seventy seven, maybe seventy. Yeah. You know, like because I think we did the. Was it FM or AM? Oh, AM. AM. Okay. Uh, we, we played like Montavani does the Beatles. Well, <laughs> AM AM in the seventies was it? That was, that was that was still it. Had, actually, it was starting to wane, but they still had the top forty guys. Yeah, yeah. but FM was coming up. Strong. Yeah, FM was a, you know FM in the seventies is where I was inspired by radio because my guy that I listened to was Charles Laquadera. Oh yeah, on WB. Are you familiar with Charles? Name, name? Sure. Yeah. yeah, and he was he was in uh, Boston at WBCN. Mm-hmm. Um, which now is actually a sports talk station. How about oh, that? Sure, no, That's just course. the way things go. And Charles was, I got to intern for Charles in 1990 while I was a, a junior in Syracuse. And he, he told the story of how he, uh, and FM radio was so wild. And it was like the morning person just didn't show up one day. They would day. give it to you. They would, yeah, that's they exactly would what happened. Yeah, and he was just there and he was willing to do it. But he said, I took two years off to do cocaine. And because uh, I guess that was a thing in the 70s. More than once, right? <laughs> and so he actually had this weird sabbatical for a couple of years. He literally told us in like a, a show meeting one time. And I was like, wow, that's pretty wild. And when he came back, he became a staple. And he was the... Peter, he was the man of all topics on a rock station. So if it was politics yeah. or it was sports yeah. or a lot of comedy stuff. And I just grew up like, that's what I want to do. I mean, that's it. Or be the third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. And, and that, yeah, you weren't going to be able to do that. So No. I tell you, no, the same, the same is true. But when we were just had this conversation, when Jimi Hendrix mm. and, you know, and the Grateful Dead no top 40 jock on the AM side because 
they were looking for two minutes, 42 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you had to have a 13-second lead yeah. so they could talk the record in. And, well, what were you doing? Were you doing music? Were you doing... Uh, yeah, I was you doing MOR. Introduced records. Okay, so, was, so you're uh, Frank Sinatra and there you uh, go. stuff like that. And, Engel, the first... Engelberg Humperdinck. That's the first record I ever played on that's the air. Awesome. was Engelberg. That's fantastic. Lady from Versailles or something. I'll take your word for it. No, it was it. I mean, I, I remember... And Jack just stood up. And um, said, do radio. And he yeah. walked out of the booth. Yeah. And I and I, I just, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, are you ever? Not really. Yeah, nah, you know, you, st- are you, you still ready, get ready for what? I don't know if I'm ready for it now. Well, Apparently I'm not. One of my questions. Yeah. Do you still get the stomach? Um, it depends. Like it's 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 kind of thinking about things. I do have a great story for you that you're a big part of. Do with with that that story. So now, as soon as I sort of sit down, I'm kind of okay, yeah. no matter where I am. You know, it's it's kind of that lead up to it. Uh, maybe I've heard a lot of people. I've done some stand up comedy, not yeah. not a ton, but some. And it's like as soon as you get up there and you're ready to go, you're ready to go. But but are you really? ready to go in terms of the the mental approach before it starts so uh my journey in talk radio because i did a lot of music radio for like 20 years but it was always on the entertainment side of things i the only time i was ever a disc jockey was i was hired to work with a guy called the grease man uh, do you know the grease Ab- man absolutely right so the grease man got fired three <laughs> days before i was supposed to start with them and I'm I'm in Buffalo, and I'm here. And I'm, I was going to be his producer, probably be part mm. of things on the show. I, I was only like 29, 30 years old. So for me, it was a, a pretty cool opportunity. But the guy was a little out oh. of touch Ooh. and a little struggling with what was going on right then and there at the time. And then he made a terrible joke. The joke's so bad, I can't even repeat it. I cannot mm. even say it. I wouldn't even dare. And he ends up getting fired. And I call the program director. I go, I mean, my boxes are packed. I mean, I got nothing in my apartment in Buffalo. And I'm like, do you still want me? He goes, Sure, come on down. And I'm like, then I was like, well, maybe I'm going to be part of something here, like part of the new thing. And um, turns out that wasn't the case. They didn't know what to do with me. So after about 30 days, they're like, this is not good for you, not good for us. And I, I just spent time looking for a job. So they stuck me on at night, like introducing Elton John. And, you know, the, the thrill of being in Washington, D.C. quickly faded when I, you know, said, uh, here's Tiny Dancer for like the uh, 11th time. I remember I had a 12 second talk up and my program director pulled me in his office and goes, that was perfect. Like twelve seconds, Peter. I'm like, that was perfect. That, yeah. That's what you want. Well, that's the good ones. The yeah. guys that they're, they're, there's a there's a series called Cruisin', and I'm sure it's available on CDs now. But it was the this guy collected the best top forty disc jockeys in the uh, country. Okay, I, I was not one of them. No, neither one. And, of us. And I, there's no way I was. I was like, well, how in the world am I going to get paid to do this? You know, a uh, W-A-R-W, uh, Washington, D.C.'s classic hits, Tiny Dancer, Elton John. Uh, time me, and time give, and Tim. Give me, yeah. <laughs> time and Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 7, 10, 10 after the hour, 7 o'clock, 53 degrees in the nation's capital. Others here's are, here's others, Tiny Dancer. Others are talking, and we're rocking. <laughs> I mean, like, am I going to get paid for this? Is, is somebody really going to pay? And then I was like, you know, that, that no joke, I, I thought to myself, man, I could just, like, re- this was before digital stuff, before yeah. all this stuff. Oh, yeah. With cards and CDs. Sure. And uh, I, I even got a little bit of records, a little bit of records. I, I was a record guy. A little bit of that. And uh, I'm like, they're not going to pay me to do this. This, this is not the way it's going to be. So getting into talk radio in spoken word format yeah. was always what I wanted to I'm do. I'm getting 
the time thing oh, here. Let yeah. me do this. I can, I can tell you why no, you were a big story. influence. Stay, stay the story. All we'll right. take, take the right. turn and come back. Right. I've been hoping, and again, the power of the voice, uh, Darren McGee, a.k.a. DMAC, a uh, long time uh, Denver radio sports talk host. But I I remember you. Was was it Willie B? You were? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Me, Willie B. And uh, well, it was me, Craig Carton, and Mark Stout. There you go. And Craig's had his own um, interesting journey. Yes, and then, he has. Then, then Willie, uh, uh, it was me, Willie, and Mark for close to five years. There it is. Yeah. And I we we were upstairs, and you guys were downstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was always a big fan of Willie's. Yeah, Willie's oh. an institution yeah. in his own right, no, yeah. no doubt about and it. I, he fired me though. Willie fired you? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk about getting fired on radio after this, because I've been, I've been, <laughs> yeah, you know. I've been asked to leave. You know. That's right. All right. So here's the deal. D Max here. Yeah. Eighty seven will be the high today. You got to do this, right? Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. You don't really have to. People have phones and stuff. But if you want to, if it makes Not, you feel nine fifty nine a minute before Titico. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.